0: my guest is entrepreneur and coach Stacy Molengroff. Stacy is a coach out in the Toronto, Canada area. We had a great conversation. She's really cool. She seems she's such a free spirit and fun to talk to. And we just talk about her life as a coach and what led her to be a coach and as well as, you know, working in the entrepreneur space. And in this episode we talk about being an entrepreneur. Authenticity, and then we get into her fear of rejection, which she constantly battles with every every day. And it's a really cool, really cool interview. So let's get into that interview right now with Stacy Mollengraff. All right, my guest this week is life coach Stacy Mollengraff of Launch Coat. That, CA, I believe is the website, as well as her Instagram. So what made you, I guess, Stacey, get into coaching?
1: That's a great question, Ryan. And uh, thank you for having me here as well uh, and being able to speak with your audience. Uh, that's always a privilege. Um, so what got me into coaching uh, was really my own life journey. And I was really interested in the coaching philosophy that we are all whole, capable, wonderful people. um, And we're just looking for that support to reach the next level. And so that's really what pulled me into coaching was how can we be there and support each other as we rise up to our full potential in this lifetime?
0: Okay. And that's that's awesome that you want to share that because some people, you know, they just kind of, they kind of, you know, make their own discoveries, but to have the, the, the passion to want to share that and help others kind of reach that same potential like did And did someone, did you see someone in your, I guess, in your journey that kind of inspired you because you reached out maybe and helped them unexpectedly and had great results?
1: Yeah, there was two things that really happened. Um, In my business that I built before becoming a coach, um, I had a coach myself. I had a business coach that was actually my aunt. Um, She saw that I was uh, struggling with how do you move into the world of entrepreneurialism? And so she um, took me under her wing and coached me. And that was um, a tremendous uh, shift in my journey and learning how to not only be an entrepreneur, but be a leader. And when I learned how to lead in this different way. So instead of, you know, kind of the carrot stick and, um, just trying to motivate people through, um, punishment, not really punishment, but through like, uh, discipline, it was like, that's just not me. And so she really learned, helped me learn how to motivate people through, um, being a role model, through being a coach, through standing behind people and inspiring them to reach for that next level. And as I learned to do that as a manager and a business owner, then I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to go out and help people um, become what they are capable of becoming.
0: That's amazing. And to have it so close to home, so it's like almost almost a family business but it's it's your own family business each of you have your own separate (laughs) family businesses but like intertwined like that that's got to be really comforting to be able to maybe lean on that and have somebody that you can you can I guess turn to whenever you have questions and stuff to have that kind of mentor familiar family and mentor at the same time
1: absolutely it was certainly a blessing
0: Okay. So how long have you been doing the coaching?
1: Well, I've been coaching for about three years. I started just when I sold my business, I started coaching. Some of my staff decided to then go on and start their own businesses. So I started coaching in that arena. And as often happens with a becoming a coach journey, you journey through a lot of different niches and ideas of where you want to land. So it's been in this last year that I've landed in chutzpah, what I call chutzpah coaching. And that is helping entrepreneurs, specifically coaches and speakers who are creating a personal brand to find the authentic confidence that they need to be able to dare go out and change the status quo and do what they were put on this earth to do through business.
0: That's interesting. That's amazing. I like it. I like the name is hard to pronounce, but I, I get the idea. That's such a, that's such a cool idea to, to get to authenticity. Cause that's such a, that's such a, you, again, I, as a comic, that's what I always, we strive for in material is to, is that mm-hmm. authentic confidence of accepting you with your flaws and everything else, rather than to pretend that you live this extravagant lifestyle like, I feel like that was the old way of coaching and stuff like that. It was like, I, you know, like the Robin Leach where they, you know, they pull up in fast sports cars and stuff. Are you ready to change lives? And I like the idea, like even up in the air, the movie up in the air where George Clooney's like, this is your backpack. Like that's mm-hmm. all changed. It's not a, it's not a shtick anymore. It's like, you just, you sell yourself. It's, it's become like the 2020s idea of, entrepreneurship it's what it's not what you're what kind of product you're giving it's who you are as a seller of that product that people are buying into
1: absolutely and I love how you linked it to being a comedian because it is so much of um the authentic performer mentality and it's being able to show who you are and stand in that and let your presence be an example of the transformation that you create through your coaching, much like, you know, comedy, I would imagine is um, an example, maybe somewhat amplified of of your personality and who you are um, and, and your own sense of humor.
0: Yes. But it's such a, it, it, for, for me, it, it was such a difficult journey because you just, you have this, I guess, it's hard to, like you said, the authentic confidence. It's hard to be you're by school and every other you know measure of life sometimes you're just not given the opportunity to be confident you're showing you're kind of given ideas of what confidence is but no one really explains what confidence should be and so everybody has like it's like the magazine article of confidence it's you know the women have you know the you know the body you know this is the desirable body and stuff like that i think men have the mental of confidence is there. It's there. That's their bikini thing. It's for women. It's all appearance based for men. It's all like attitude. And so you have all these men's magazines of macho and that's confident. Confidence is machismo and everything else that maybe you don't have that. You just have this personality that you can say what you want. and Nobody's going to question you. It's such a, it's such a unique, you know, it's such something that everybody tries to build towards that maybe is not un- is unattainable for them because it's not who they are.
1: Absolutely. And I would call that the in business terms, I call it building a false business. Um, but I think what you're talking about there too is building false confidence. It's like, let me build this self that looks like the societal standard and then I'll hang my confidence on that. And don't get me wrong. I mean, that takes that takes cojones, too, to, mm-hmm. to do that. But I think it takes more chutzpah. It takes more confidence to walk into the world as you truly are and risk people rejecting or putting down the, the authentic version of you. That takes way more confidence. And at the same time, when you do it, you become so much more magnetic.
0: Yeah, I as i've as i progressed through stand-up like i i feel like people have a bit i don't feel like i've changed but i feel people have connected with me more like lately in comedy as i've I progressed and gotten better and i guess in a way found my own authentic confidence which is just you know accepting instead of you know trying to hide your flaws just expose and embrace who you embrace the uncool i i call it when you start comedy, you pretend to be cool. Like you're, you're finally the cool guy in school and everybody gets to listen to you and you, you kind of spout your own version of cool. Like, yeah, yeah. I I dated girls and you authentic you is I haven't been on a date in five years and it's instead of projecting that and you just talk about the honesty of not being able to date for five years, I think it's way more engaging and relatable than this false bravado of you're you're dating all the time and living this life that you really aren't, and you're just trying to be funny off of um, something that's not true, and so now you're building lies upon lies, and at some point, the suspension of disbelief is you know going to catch up with you. You might get some laughs here and there, but people are going to see you and make it an, form an opinion of you, and if you're you keep trying to escape that opinion. They're going to know It's you're. That's exactly what we thought, and it just gets uncomfortable because they know it's not true, and then you start to waver, and it's like a stewardess. You know, you see in a stewardess stewardess on an airline panicking, like you know, you you see that, and it, it you maybe not the other passengers see it, but you saw it. And now everybody is like tense. That's what it's like.
1: Yeah. I I think that you speak to such a truth there that, you know, when we're so busy and we're putting so much energy into creating this, this false self that can seem really confident and really awesome and, oh, wouldn't people love that? It's like, it's almost like that false self you've created is standing in front of you. And then you can't actually reach your audience. You can't actually have or create these moments, as you said, of relatability or, or connection. And I, I mean, I'm not a comic, but I would imagine that when I feel connected to you and I can relate to what you're saying and you're speaking things that I go, oh, man, I wouldn't I wouldn't dare speak that. But I know it's truth because I'm also a human that goes through really embarrassing stuff that then I just feel so much more comfortable to engage and to laugh and to to be in that experience with you.
0: So how did you come up with chutzpah? What, where does that come from?
1: It's a great question. So chutzpah is actually um, a Yiddish word. Um, but when I grew up, it's what my dad always said to me. So I was this very strange kid, and I mean that in the most adoring way. Um, I was a kid that sat out on a rock in front of our house, and I would sing to birds and trees and our neighbors as they passed by. And and even though, like, other kids my age were like, that's that's a strange thing that you do, Stacey. I was like, I don't care. This is me. I love it. And I would just sing louder. And so my dad, he would say to me, you know, Stacy, you have a lot of chutzpah. And it wasn't until, you know, just a few years ago that I finally looked up, what does chutzpah mean? And after going through the journey of entrepreneurism and going through my own personal journey of, of learning to come back to that part of me, I was like, oh, that's what I'm called to do is be a chutzpah coach because chutzpah is a confidence that borders on audacity. And I take that to mean a confidence that is so strong you dare to do what other people won't in service of your values and your vision of the world.
0: That's so amazing. I Totally, uh, I totally am on un- board with that. That's such a cool story, and it's like, and it, it, it makes it better because it's a personal, like you, it it ties to a personal story for you. Is that mm-hmm. be be don't be afraid to be that girl that you know life may tell you don't do this because it's not society's norms. Like they don't that you just embrace embrace your your odd oddities and you know I forget the word I was gonna even say. um Man, I I had a good word and it was like, oh, but it's just embrace. He might come back. Yeah. Embrace the awkward. I mean, it's not everybody has their, you know, things they're trying to hide. And that's Mm -hmm. that's where bullying comes from is those people have something to hide. And they just before they can be found out, they they attack whatever your oddity is so that the attention's on you.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So how do you help? How what's your what's your best way of helping people, I guess, find their chutzpah?
1: Well, that's a great question. Um, so, part of what I do when I work with entrepreneurs is I use a a model I created called the Inner Board of Directors, and it's just twelve archetypes of the different parts of us that show up in business. Um, so, for example, the receiver, the follower, the believer, the entrepreneur, and what we do is we look at where are you feeling stuck in business. And we tap into the parts that they um, just intuitively feel are blocking them from being, from creating the results that they want to create. And what we do is we create this healing experience, this kind of course correcting experience where usually what happened is we had some version of our false self come out. And say, oh, somebody kind of told you it wasn't okay to receive that much. Or it wasn't okay to trust the community and to follow through. And so we kind of created this, this block inside of ourselves, in our body, somatically, through our emotions, through our mind and our thoughts. And that block is then what is is stopping us from creating the results that we want. It's trying to keep us safe. So we go in, we work with the body, we work with the emotions, and we say, how can I come in and love this part of me? How can I give it this experience of utter acceptance and utter witnessing from myself? And when we do that, amazing things happen. That part goes, oh, you don't need me to protect you anymore. And it starts to soften And I start to see in the session, the body language, the tone of voice, the mannerisms of the client actually shifting as they come back to more of their authentic self. And then we make these purposeful choices of how are you going to then bring that into your business? How are you going to show more of your authenticity to your audience? How are you going to take bold action that is audacious in the service of what your authentic self is craving to create.
0: That's fantastic. So I wonder, I'm curious, what was your business before you decided to go into coaching? What was the business that you kind of you 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 stepped away from?
1: Yeah, it was complete. Well, it's related in that it's still psychology, but it was very different. My business was um, dog training, and so I worked with dogs. I guess maybe I worked with dogs on their authentic selves. <laughs> Allowing them to work through reactivity and anxieties and worries. Um, But what I really learned in that business was how impactful it is to be a mentor and a coach to people around you. And I saw that as I tried to step into that role and I give space for my staff to become more of who they were meant to be, that amazing things happened. Many of them went on to start their own businesses or to be leaders in other businesses, um, because I think a lot of them had found that permission to be the strong, powerful, assertive, most of my staff, actually all my staff were women, um, that, that they authentically were.
0: Yeah. And it, it's, it's something that I feel, you know, is also something that, you know, when a in a, in a business, when it, you feel like it maybe is as a male dominated society that that's, it's hard, it's hard to hang on to to your authentic self too, because you feel like, I've got to be tough, I've got to be, I've got to be, you know, I got to be strong, I've got to be, you know, almost, you know, I can't let, you know, my sensitivities or, you know, my authentic, if you're a sweet person, I think like I got to be tougher. Like, I can't let these guys push me around. Like it, I feel that becomes a huge mm-hmm. stereotype in people that are starting entrepreneurs, especially like, I guess, in female or, you know, LGBTQ or anything that isn't, you know, ju- jumping into a male-dominated, I would say, I guess, m- I guess mindset is how it, or that's how it feels anyway. It's like every business is, you see the entrepreneurs like, yeah, I've got it. I'm in charge. I'm the boss.
1: Yeah. And, and I think it's a struggle for men too, because it's the narrative, right? Like, and maybe it's, it's hard for them because there is that expectation. You are a male that you should show up like that. And there's certainly an expectation for women too. Oh, you can't show up soft and kind and flexible, and that's certainly when I started my journey um, as an entrepreneur and as a boss, where I started, oh, I can't talk to my staff about their emotions. Oh, I, I have to hold all the boundaries. Oh, there has to be consequences when they don't show up on time. And I was like, I'm freaking exhausted um, trying to to show up that way. And so when I learned to trust in them and to be open to what was happening for them and what did they need? And and how could I support them? But more importantly, what did they need to be able to support themselves? So the model shifted into how do you empower people to reach? And I, and my job was just to say, here's the next rung, right? Like you want the raise, you want the, the increased responsibility. Here's the next rung. What do you need from me to support you to get there? What do you need from yourself to get there? And then just to be there like, yeah you got it. Oh yeah. You fell down. That's okay. You got it. Like, let's keep going. Um, And at the same time, I say that with that very like, ah, let's go. But at the same time, like you fell down, man, that sucks. Let's be here. Like, let's, let's hold space for that. Um, And I think that business really taught me how to trust in the insane power and ability that people innately have when we get out of their way as bosses and let them rise up.
0: So are you a parent or?
1: I am not a parent. I am a pet parent. So I'm a fur mama. (laughs) Um, And we try and use that same model with her. Uh, But I do think that in any leader follower relationship there is somewhat of the dynamic of being that parenting figure that can um empower and support um growth yeah in, yeah
0: that's awesome. i I didn't know if you were a parent or not because I was like well that you, that, you, that would you really gets put to the test with with children and stuff like that, but I mean it's such a it's such something I feel that almost you could almost do a parental coaching like almost to help. Empower, you know, parents empower their kids to, you know, kind of transition that coaching to, you know, hey, you got like when they get to a certain age, like preteens and stuff like that, kind of coach them on society and things like that to kind of be that positive instead of maybe having friction and things like that, that that would be such a, you know, letting, you know, helping them find what they're good at at such a young age, because I feel as somebody that's 45, it's like, find what you love as soon as you possibly can is, is basically how I've kind of gone through life. It's like, you know, it may not pay the best. It may not be, you know, you may not be a millionaire, but you will, you will come home. You will, you won't have a burden. You won't have to clock out, take a few deep breaths and, you know, just drive home and try to, you know, try to deprogram it to get home, cook dinner or whatever you you're just kind of, you know, that's, you're just there. You're just in the moment. You're just, you're, you're doing what you want to do. And now you're taking time out of doing that to, to hang out and be relaxed. Yeah.
1: is that permission to be the authentic self in our career, right. And in our hobbies and, and yeah, absolutely. It speaks to parenting. Um I think that it speaks to any kind of relationship, because we can we can focus on being the same with our partners and our friends and our spouses. And I absolutely agree. Where it gets tested the most and where it is just the most freaking challenging is parenting.
0: Yeah, because it's they have you're starting to deal with another person that you've raised, but at the same time now they've got they've had information input that's not from you that that could possibly pose as a challenge to what you've always you know stressed and. It's just being able to have the authentic moment instead of saying, I said so, you know, to be, au- to have that authentic moment of, Hey, you know, when I was your age and, you know, you'll have the, well, I wasn't, I'm not, you know, I'm, you know, it's different now. I, you, Yes, it is. But the, all the stressors and everything else, the peer pressures, everything else is, is timeless. There's peer pressure, you know, going back to when school started of, being you know there's peer pressures even in adult life of just following the norms you know don't don't look at that person don't you know bag your groceries don't don't dawdle
1: yeah and and i mean we're surrounded by those pressures all the time and i think that's that's normal that's part of growing up we're all going to go through that i mean i am 100 going to misquote her but brene brown says something along the lines of if we had a perfect childhood What on earth will we do in adulthood? Like adulthood is about the process of coming back to authenticity. But those peer pressures, those societal pressures, those little moments where we tell each other, oh, are you really wearing that? Like those are the moments that the false self is created. And what an amazing opportunity as leaders, as um, performers as uh, coaches as anybody in the public eye or anybody that's interacting even as husbands and wives and friends to be able to validate the authentic expression of one another yeah and to encourage that
0: so to encourage well we're going to discuss your fear now at this point but you have a you have a, a. A very, you have a good fear that you that you challenge on a daily basis. I kind of like that that your that your fear is something that you have to kind of face on a daily basis. So go ahead and tell the listeners here what you're afraid of.
1: Yeah, so like most people in the world, one of my deep fears is the fear of rejection. It's that fear of being ostracized, of being thrown out into the corners of society, um, and shamed and blamed, and uh, that is one that I recognize is so integral to the entrepreneurial journey. And so I've begun to challenge it.
0: That's amazing. So do you have an? Do you have like an early memory of rejection that kind of has kind of shaped you? Like do you have one of those? like because I feel everybody that's been rejected just has one that kind of just every time it comes up that's the voice they hear
1: yeah I I think for me it was it was sometime in high school where that peer pressure gets bigger because up till that point I was like I'm weird and proud of it I love it like this is who I am and you can't stop me and something to do with the teenage hormones and the the pressure of high school where there's that, like, what group do you fit into and how do you show up that you're not going to be the one picked on and bullied? Um, I think that really solidified for me this kind of tightening up and, okay, maybe it's time to set that child self down and, 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 you know, in the teenage mind, Oof, be the adult now, be the one that's like looks and acts and behaves more like everybody else around
0: me yeah and that's to me is always a crucial time and it's one of those things where you spend 12 years with a company and there's no hr is basically how i i, I could equate school is it's your
1: <laughs> that's such a good way to put it
0: because very few people you you re- go through this whole like situation with people and it's it's hard because you don't realize there's so much more to world out there and it's That is your world, this one building with 300 people in it, and you've got to somehow navigate it to where you don't feel you're stressed and freaked out because 300 people have heard, you know, potentially 300 people have heard something about you and you don't know how they're going, you know, how it's going to be handled or you're just mortified you just live in fear that, that, that something's going to be said about you and it's just going to be their label for the rest of your your life. And it's hard to explain to people that you, they're just a small fraction of your life. But it, unfortunately, because it's such a formative, like it's such a formative time for you, it's just you can't, you, you it almost, you don't escape it because it's it's branded on you as a child or young adult until you kind of, you know, accept you get to your authentic self again, you find authenticity.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, when we're in that teenage years, we're going through the, the process of finding our identity. And there is that pressure that, you know, that comes from that evolutionary place of Um, don't be the one that's kicked out of the tribe, like don't be the one that's kicked out of the community. And so when we're trying to form our identity, but we're also trying not to get kicked out, you know, it's sort of inevitable that most of us will, will choose an identity um, or, or fuse with an identity that isn't a hundred percent authentically ourselves. And, and I think that adulting process is, is finding the courage, especially when we want to go out and, and create personal brands or be performers or be coaches is to, to come back to who we truly are and, and have a lot of acceptance for that.
0: Absolutely. And that's one thing like I, I tell people is just like, don't, it, it, it's a slippery slope because they, you'll like something and another kid will say, you know, I don't like, like, say, you, you watch like a cartoon, I don't like that cartoon. That's where it starts, is they, they, they want you, you to, so to fit in with them, you'll say you don't like that cartoon either, even though you do. And so now that part of you is taken away. Like they've chipped that part of you, your authentic self away. That is a fan of that and then it just gets bigger and bigger well I don't like this person then it becomes oh I don't like that person because they do this and so now you make the choice to go along with the tribe and say yeah you're right she's dumb and she could be someone you grew up with as a little kid and you, you, you know them and stuff that's every teenage drama you know is that somebody knows the kid that's getting picked on and they just kind of go with the cool kids and yeah, you're right. And just, there's a lot there. There's a lot of, I guess, you know, messages that are sent at such a, a formative time that that you have to undo it when you, and it's, I just wish there was a way to kind of protect against that. Unfortunately, it's hard because everybody, uh, at, like you said, it's one group of people all going on the one social, all climbing on the same social ladder. Mm-hmm hmm
1: Yeah. I mean, it is it is so hard because why do we do that? Why do we go along with it what everybody else does? Well, we're trying to keep ourselves safe. On some level, we sense, oh, if I don't go along with it, I'm going to be the one that's rejected. So although we can say, oh, I wish we didn't do that, we can also hold compassion for ourselves of going, it makes sense that we did that. You know, we were trying to protect ourselves. And I think the the really important thing is that at some point we have conversations with ourselves or we have interactions with others that help us heal those pieces, that help us come back and say, what was the part of you that got covered up and how do you bring that part back out? Because then in adulthood, when someone says to us, oh, I don't like that oh, that person, you know, they're awful. When we've done that work and we've gone, oh, I've already healed that part of me that I had to close off because of that. We have the confidence and the authenticity to say, I appreciate that's your point of view, um, but I don't agree. Mm -hmm. And we can stand up and hold our ground.
0: I just wish there was like a high school for, for things that you would, or school where they would divvy it up by passions that way you you would you would have a high school of like minded people and see and just curiously, society wise, how that society would would work out is if you put athletic people in an athletic high school, you put people that want to do drama, music, and stuff like that in another school where it's just almost exclusively drama or just, you know, just basically made it to where it didn't seem like this was. You know, athletics is always the most important. It's not. And, you know, just to give other things that kids do and just as much importance as people do, like football and baseball here in Texas, I think would just do wonders. Because I feel like everybody wants to try out for the cheerleaders, the everything, jock-oriented dance and and things like that. And it may not be their passion, but because that's the popular thing to be in. Right.
1: So just imagine for a moment if our teachers, our politicians, our business owners, our leaders, our parents all had the opportunity to return to their authentic selves and to heal the wounds that created their false selves. How would it look then when they're interacting with kids that are feeling that pull to do the popular thing? Would they be more able to stand up and say, follow your heart, what you're interested in is important. I see and validate exactly who you are and who you want to be. And and that's the world that I want to slowly start creating. And I think it starts with the performers and the coaches and the public speakers and the people that live on the the fringes of popular media to start saying it's time for us to allow authenticity and to celebrate the uniqueness of every person because that's how we create a beautiful tapestry of society
0: yeah and i think we're getting there like i it's it's come a long way like it's it'll never be as fast as people want it to be but I see the progression. I see like the Montessori school system and things like that, where things are just not as cut and dry as it used to be when I was a kid. We had you have all kinds of different ways of learning. Kids have so much access to knowledge, and there's so much knowledge out on the web and everything else. Like your phone is is an amazing source of knowledge now that where I don't even know how you could teach a class. When everybody could just go and Google it and say, you know, <laughs> well, actually, as of 2019, your book is off, you know, out of date. Like, how do you how do you combat that as a teacher? And how do you embrace that? How do you embrace that auth- you know, authenticity and don't and don't have him just laughed at in the class or being, you know, or in trouble because he gets the class in trouble for, you know, using his phone and then everybody looks at him as, oh, he's the guy that got our phones taken away.
1: Right, right. It, it's a a cosmic shift to move towards this place of not only being authentic within ourselves and in our own expression, but making space for the authentic, authenticity of others, and finding how do we as a society balance giving that space while still holding structure that allows everybody to stay safe. So how can we as teachers, as facilitators um, appreciate the intention of the child in that moment and appreciate the authentic brilliance and resourcefulness that they're coming with and then at the same time redirect to to bring the lesson to continuing? Uh, so we don't just go into mass chaos of everybody Googling everything yeah. for the next 30 minutes.
0: Yeah. Cause it's just, it, it just is a, it's a, it's easy and it's a addiction. And I totally get that. Like, and again, it goes back to that, you know, that fear of rejection is to speak out to, to be the person, the voice that, that def- may have some dissension in what society has. And so, As a coach, like, how do you how do you approach somebody with that fear of possibly them saying, you know, I don't feel, you know, or they'll have a skeptical view maybe of coaching in general? Like, how do you how do you, I guess, prepare for that when you when you go to pitch a new entrepreneur on what your services can bring?
1: Yeah, so I'll I think there was two pieces in there. So I'll answer both. So the second one was, how do I deal with it? And the first one was, how do I coach someone with it? Um, so my coaching process is a lot about the experiences that we've had out in the world. Usually we internalize them in some way or another. So with a client, it's about, okay, there's this fear of rejection. Where do you feel that rejection within you? And then how can you bring that sense of self to bring acceptance and witnessing and compassion to that part that's feeling the need to reject or that's feeling rejected. So what we're trying to do is create an internal um, experience that creates this safety within ourselves. And it's not about then when we go out into the world, no one's going to reject us. No one's going to say no. No one's going to call us a mean name. No one's going to troll us on social media. All of that's probably going to happen, especially if you're standing up for something that's on the edge of what society is accepting right now. But the point is that if you can love and care for yourself through that process, you have a lot more resilience to keep going. So that's how I work with clients. In terms of with myself, I do this work with myself. I do different challenges with myself to run these experiences through my body so I can become more familiar with the parts of me that emerge when I'm feeling rejection. How does it feel like in my body, in my emotions? What are the thoughts that come up? And I work with those parts to bring that same sense of love and care and kindness and like a parent does with a child, if I think of all of these parts in me that are freaking out, that are going like, oh, my gosh, they said no, they don't like coaching. They hate everything you're doing. Like, there's a part of me that will stay that. And I'll say, I'm here. You know, I'm I'm listening. I see you're freaking out. Um, you know, do you need some deep breaths? Do we need to just stretch? And then I'll tell that part, I appreciate you. And? It's really important that we do this. This is the work that we're being called to do. So I'm going to keep going and you can freak out again and I'll be here, but I'm going to keep going. And the way that I did this process most recently um, to really run the fear of rejection through my body is I spent five days going out into my community, approaching random people uh, with a mask on during COVID, which people just generally don't like talking to you during COVID, and asking if them if I could sing a song and, and then singing for them and just feeling that fear of like, they're going to say no and facing the fear when they did say no and when I got funny looks um, and being there with myself through that process instead of just trying to hammer through like being with myself and building up my capacity to do that so on the last day i asked people to be on camera with me as i sang them the song
0: that's awesome so when you say be with yourself like what is that what does that entail just just introspection is that just
1: Yeah, it's introspection. So when I think of the old, what I'll call the old model of confidence, it was like, fake it till you make it. Um, Keep telling yourself you can do it. Don't tune into the emotions, just blow through. And there's important aspects in that, right? But I like to think of that as like one leg of the table and there's three other legs. It's also really important to attune and notice the emotions that are coming up and to say, okay, I'm feeling freaked out. Oh, I'm feeling emotional. I'm feeling scared. And to notice what's happening in the body. Okay. My stomach is turning. Um, I feel like I'm going to throw up. I feel my hands shaking. Um, and to notice the thoughts, but to do all of that, sort of like the parent watching the child have those experiences so that it's like, There's that little degree of separation. This is an experience I'm going through as a human. And like a wave, it's going to come up and it's going to go back down. And instead of trying to make that experience go away and be like, I'm just going to do it, fake it till I make it, da, 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 da. It's like giving space for it to be there and appreciating it. I appreciate that you're coming up and you're trying to keep me safe. Um, while at the same time not letting it stop you from taking action.
0: Absolutely. That's, That's fantastic. It's something I did with comedy or similar is I had a lot of stage fright. And so what I would do, and it's just an educational tool, is I record my set and then I'd watch it because you have the unique perspective of, feeling being in the moment inside and then being able to see what you look like outside yeah and it's such a it's such a mind-blowing like thing it's hard to do like emotionally it's hard to just sit there and watch yourself because it's that's how i sound that's what i look like mm-hmm. all these different things kind of are now put is presented to you because you can't see yourself through other people's eyes you can always see out to what you're doing mm-hmm. and just seeing the nervous ticks and what it looks like when you're nervous and seeing you know, the uncomfortable what you look like when you're rattled and uncomfortable it's it's such an eye-opening i guess venture and to and to then be okay with it or to say okay you know try to and try to go through where where that came from why did why did we feel uncomfortable what can we do it's such an amazing feeling like it's such a it's it's hard work like it's probably the hardest part of of comedy it's just is is being able to interest be introspective and and not just be i guess beholden to your ego that everything's great like you said fake it till you make it oh i'm you know i'm i did well the con the crowd just wasn't feeling me it wasn't there's there's Maybe part of that, but there's also what could you have done? What can you do better? Even if the crowd was terrible, there's there's things you could still do to get better. It's not just that crowd.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think, first of all, it's amazing that you do that. And I would guess that that has really supported you in becoming a better comic. Um, and there's two things that really stood out there for me as you're sharing that. One is that when you were watching it back, you said um, to be okay with it. And I really relate that to like acceptance. It's okay that these emotions, that these ticks, that this it didn't land the way that you wanted to land. Because if you're not okay with it, you're going to burn out real quick and not be able to have that introspection. Um, so you've got to build that capacity for acceptance. And the other one that you said was to have that that curiosity and commitment. What can I do to support myself? What can I do? What might I need in that moment when I'm feeling nervous? Do I need to just take more of a breath? Do I need to look at the person in the audience that I know is going to laugh at this joke or that is already smiling to give me that sense of safety or connection Um, so that you can do it instead of just faking and making? faking it till you make it or berating yourself in the process.
0: Yeah. it. I did do a lot of berating early on. I will I will be honest like, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> there, but I, I just think that that it's like, like you said, singing to people and just doing things that are, that are, are unconventional, I think help you, I guess, deal with your flaws and just like comedy, being able to voice things that happened, embarrassing moments that happened in your lifetime. And, Things that maybe you know in a normal you know level of you he- of yourself you would be like I'll never talk about this again. Well, you know you have those moments where you look at your friends like well let's never speak of this again. You know like those <laughs> those situations. But to be able to bring those up and to and to just be honest instead of trying to look like the hero in that situation or the victim, to just honestly. You know, say this is what happened and have, let other people be like, yeah, I've been there. I've been with a group of friends that got into trouble and, you know, things like that. And I've been the snitch or I've been the I've been the person that's been snitched on. And it's all it's it's such a it's such a great feeling. And it's hard to it's hard to get new people to kind of buy in because it's one of those things where I just want it to work. And it's like, but you have to put in it has to you have to be the work. Like I, when I help comics, I tell them, you know, it's not, it's, I can tell you things that will happen, but I can't tell you how to fix them because everybody fixes them differently. And if you do it my way, then you're just doing what I want you to do versus what you should do for yourself.
1: It's powerful that you do that. I mean that you give people that space as we're talking about for them to find their authentic way and I'm with you too, that I think so many people don't do it, myself included. I mean, when I, the first day I went out and I said, I'm going to, um, I was very uh, optimistic. I was like, I'm going to be able to go out, ask people to be on video with me and I'm just going to sing them a song. It's not going to be a thing. And I bombed completely. I couldn't even approach a single person that first day. And so I was like, I could just not tell anybody that this happened. But I was like, this is a really important moment. So I put it out to my audience. And then I said, okay, I'm going to build up to that point again over five days. I'm going to build my nervous system's capacity to do this. And I let them witness the whole process. And what I learned is that, yeah, the fear and the, the judgment and the intensity of the emotion that comes up when you start, it's vague. It's big but the joy and the connection and the aliveness that you feel when you move to the other side is even bigger. And if we could find a way for more people to realize that it's like going through the fear and the worries is how you get to the joy and aliveness. I think we'd have um, a very different world.
0: Mm -hmm. So do you feel like you've, you've like, you don't, I don't feel, I don't think you ever conquer fears, but do you think that you have a good handle on rejection that like, you can kind of, I guess, have a little bit like, you know, chances are this is not, but it's okay. Like you've already have that, I guess, affirmation that it's okay if they say no, it's not, it's not your fault that they say no, because I think a lot of times too a rejection is it's, we, we, it's such a personal thing to us, but it may not be personal to the person that's rejecting you. Like you don't, you have a very limited scope of maybe just the moment you pitch to somebody because you don't know them and there's somebody that's either been referred to or they're just inquiring about coaching. And so you've only got like a three or four minute snippet of their life. And so I, sometimes people think that they just immediately think, oh, they just don't like me. You know, there's a, you know, what did I do that was, you know, that obviously put them off, you know, it's something I did. And sometimes it's just not even that. It's just they've had a busy day and you're just caught them at a time where they just don't have the capacity to listen and to really, you know, think about it. And they just are like, you know, maybe later and they're gone. Yeah. Well,
1: I don't think that a fear of rejection, I will have ever conquered it. Mm-hmm. But I do feel I have a lot more space to move in it now. I'm a lot more able to put myself in places where I can be rejected. And along the lines of you saying, you know, um, sometimes we think it's about ourselves. I I had a really big epiphany on the third day of the challenge because I walked around and I asked people if I could give them a rose And then I would sing them a song. And I did that kind of as like, I'll warm up by asking if they'll take a rose. And then they'll be like, oh, you gave me a rose. That's so nice. They'll say yes to me singing. And to my utter shock, people said no to the rose. And I was like, it's a rose. And in my mind, like I would I'm thinking like nobody's going to say no to like just a nice flower from a stranger. And I realized that, The saying no to the rose, when I so often think when someone says no to my coaching program or no to my mastermind or my different programs, it's like, oh, it's all about me. I'm like, no, people can say no to a rose. That's a really simple, easy thing to say yes to. And so it's not about me. It's about they're busy or they don't like roses or maybe they're allergic to roses or maybe they don't want to get pricked because I try to give one to a lady that was running. And afterwards, I'm like, yeah, she probably doesn't want to run with a rose, Stacey. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And so there was that epiphany of it's not about me. And it people saying no to what you offer or people not laughing to, to a joke, you tell, like I'm sure in your world, too, doesn't mean it's not a good offer or it's not a good joke. It just means it doesn't land for them at this moment in time.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Well. I appreciate you for doing this, Stacey. Uh, Where can people find you on social media if they're looking for coaching or any, you know, just to follow, because I know a lot of coaches love to follow other coaches and stuff like that to maybe get insight on maybe something they could do better themselves.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, there's a few places to follow me um, on Instagram at Coach Launch. Um, And I also am, I just opened my uh, TikTok uh, so all my challenges are going to be on there, um, and that'll just be stacy, uh, dot Mullingraph, and same on Facebook. They can add me there. And I've got a new challenge coming up this month, working with my follower. So uh, it will be interesting to go out and play with that as well.
0: Well, I thank you again for doing this, Stacey.
1: Yeah, Thank you so much, Ryan. I really appreciate it.
0: So that was Stacy. What an amazing conversation. I enjoyed that thoroughly, just having kind of a just a copacetic conversation about life growing up and authenticity and things that you when you look at it in retrospect, you just wonder why. Check out Stacy at launchcoach.ca as well as Instagram at Stacy Mollengroff and Facebook. Also check out her TikToks where she constantly battles her fear of rejection by by challenging herself to do more. It's a really fun concept. I enjoyed some of those TikToks. I watched them myself. So please, take some time to check out Stacy, especially if you're in the Canada area, like in Toronto and things like that. She's an amazing coach. She probably can help you even if you're not close by. They, she can probably get on Zoom, and have a really fun conversation with you, and really inspiring. So thanks again for everyone who listens to this podcast. If you like what you hear, leave a review. i love to see some more five-star reviews in my uh, review bin there. If you have some suggestions for the show, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. This last week, I was working at the Dallas Comedy Club with David Nihill. It was a great time. I got to host instead of feature. I work with Paul Vergeese as well as the, with the feature, so we had a great time just chatting and hanging out. It's was a great learning experience i'm going to try some things on instagram that david suggested to us um can't wait to do that i'll be hurriedly doing that this coming week as i will be doing a podcast interview later this evening with a gentleman uh, regarding add It'll be re- it should be a real fun conversation there too i'm excited for that if you want to be a guest on the show, shoot me an email at somefearfans at com, and we can, we can work it out. I also get on Facebook and Instagram sometimes and look for people to interview. So if you're interested in that, send me a line. Let's do it. Uh, thank you guys again for listening. Uh, it's a great week. Next week is going to be Easter, I believe. So that holiday kind of just moves around. And so hopefully, you know, we'll have a fun time. I, I can't wait. And so, thanks again for everyone that listens, and I hope you have a great week, and thanks for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. And now, some thank yous for the folks that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater for my art and graphics. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhiteh20, get it, H2O like water. You can also follow him on Facebook, music. A huge thank you to Gunnar Olsen for the wonderful music provided for this podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at GunBuns, that's G-U-N-B-U-N-S, as well as his website GunnarOlsen.net. Check out some of the samples that he has recorded. They're amazing. He's an amazing percussionist. If you want to follow the show, we've got a Facebook group, Some of All Fears. Instagram, Twitter, you can find us at Some Fear Fans. If you have some feedback for the show, email me at somefearfans, S-O-M-E-F-E-A-R-F-A-N-S at gmail.com. I'll be happy to, to take those into consideration. Also, if you'd like to be a guest, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. We can try to iron out some details and get that settled in. You know, give us some feedback if on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. It makes the show bigger, and it's not going anywhere. I'm going to record as many in shows as I possibly can. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ryan Perrio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O on all social media platforms. You can follow me there, and you can check me out at Ryanperio.com, my website. I'll try to list upcoming shows there as well. It's been kind of spotty because as soon as I set it up, that's when the pandemic happened. And everything's kind of just in a in a holding pattern. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening.